0: Hello, and welcome back to Whip. Stuff you missed while you were pissed. I'm Mike. And I'm James. And this is the second half of a two-part series on the IRS, where we cover some bills that recently passed the House of Representatives. So shift your cheeks to the edge of your seat. No, 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 we said that last time. Can't use the same segue twice. Uh, I'm just reading what you wrote in the show notes. Wait, huh? Oh, uh, cue, uh, cue music.
1: Remember the IRS Restructure and Reform Act of 1998 from the last episode? You know, the law that reforms the IRS itself instead of just the tax code. Well, that's basically the only piece of legislation that's ever reformed the IRS.
0: But that's not to say the federal government hasn't updated its methods for collecting taxes since the creation of the first Commissioner of Internal Revenue in 1862. I mean, it may seem like our government is slow to catch up to technological progress, but it's definitely not stuck in 19th century slow. The IRS does have procedures to improve their resources and personnel, but there's a lot of politics, paperwork, and required approvals, and that can slow things down. The first major overhaul of the IRS was in 1952, when President Truman acted on his temporary presidential reorganization authority, granted by the Reorganization Act of 1949. This authority, which is temporarily granted to the president by Congress, allows the president to divide, abolish, create, and restructure specific bureaus with little to no oversight from Congress. Fun fact, they haven't granted this authority to any president since Reagan.
1: Truman's changes were the only real overhaul of the IRS until 1998. They were carried out through presidential directive, not through legislation. The 1949 Reorganization Act only gave President Truman the authority to restructure the Bureau of Internal Revenue. Congress did not orchestrate the restructuring itself.
0: Which means that no real piece of legislation majorly reformed the IRS until the Restructuring Act of 1998.
1: Since then, no legislation has been signed into law that changes the organizational structure
0: or operational procedures of the IRS, and that's a problem. Remember, federal bureaus can be bogged down with politics, paperwork, approval requests, and oversight, and government is generally slower to react to changes in its environment as opposed to a business in the private sector, though some Fortune 500 companies can be just as painstakingly slow. And over the last decade, the IRS has fallen behind the technological curve, leaving
1: many news outlets with the unfortunate but profitable task of instilling fear into our hearts. The
0: fear of cyber theft. by cyber theft. Well, we mean to reuse a generic buzz phrase that's intended to make you feel informed about tax fraud while simultaneously treating you like an idiot.
1: Um, it means using an internet, internet with a lowercase i, uh, to steal from someone else. But as Mike pointed out, and with absolutely no contempt whatsoever, that's pretty generic. We happen to think highly of our listeners, so we're going to fully explain this, but let's get some context first.
2: For now, our biggest concern is for the affected taxpayers to make sure they are protected against fraud in the future. We have marked the accounts of the 200,000 taxpayers whose accounts were attacked by outsiders to prevent someone else from filing a tax return in their name, both now and into 2016. Letters have already gone out to the approximately 100,000 taxpayers whose tax information was successfully obtained by unauthorized third parties. We are offering credit monitoring at our expense to this group of taxpayers. We're also giving them the opportunity to obtain an Identity Protection Personal Identification Number, or IP PIN as it's known. This will further safeguard their IRS accounts. We're also in the process of writing to the 100,000 taxpayers whose accounts were not accessed to let them know that third parties appear to have gained access from outside the IRS to personal information such as their Social Security numbers and other information. We want them to be able to take steps to safeguard that data. The Get Transcript application has also been taken down while we review options to make it more secure without rendering it inaccessible to legitimate taxpayers.
1: That was John Koskinen, head of the IRS from 2013 to 2017, in a 2015 Senate hearing regarding tax refund fraud
0: and data breaches. Uh, the link is in our description below. In 2015, as a preliminary response to earlier data breaches, the IRS formed a Cyber Crime Unit tasked with investigating these network-related criminal activities. But the data breaches kept coming nonetheless.
2: Over the past few years, almost 2,000 individuals were convicted in connection with refund fraud related to identity theft. (laughs) Additionally, as our processing filters have improved, we have also been able to stop more suspicious returns at the door. This past filing season, our fraud filters stopped almost 3 million suspicious returns before processing. An increase of over 700,000 from the year before. But the criminals continue to become more sophisticated and creative.
1: According to a 2016 CBS News article, in May 2015, the IRS reported cybercriminals accessed roughly 114,000 taxpayer counts. Three months later, that number grew as many as 334,000. This month, 2016, at the time of the article, the IRS said there were as many as 724,000 victims. That's one and a half Wyoming's.
0: <laughs> Sorry, breaking script. That was ad-libbed. I like that. Okay. <clears> okay. <throat> So what do we mean by tax refund fraud and data breach? Tax refund fraud is when one person steals the uniquely identifiable information of another person, impersonates that person, and files a tax return as that person in order to steal their tax refund. This means they need to breach a computer database that contains another person's uniquely identifiable information. Of course, the actual term data breach just means to release secure information. It's not specific to computer databases, but the definition still applies. Believe it or not, no one's initially breaking into the IRS, so the blame isn't
1: solely on, on the Bureau itself. They use hardware that's decades old, and they still have systems running on assembly, which is a low-level programming language from the 50s. It's pretty unlikely an organized team of hackers have enough knowledge, experience, and our motivation to actually breach the IRS directly.
0: But if you're a smart and capable hacker, why not save yourself the hassle of learning old technology and get the personal data from entities with more modern systems, like businesses from the private sector, maybe a commercial bank, or... A credit bureau? Hey, remember the Equifax breach from last year?
1: Yeah, uh, if you listen to episode 23, it's on there, uh, when we covered financial data breaches.
0: We can only hope that our content is even remotely memorable.
1: Well, criminals can use this personal information obtained from the data breach, like the incident with Equifax, to impersonate
0: us on our tax return. And once they successfully do that, they could technically gain access to other information that the IRS stores in association with the individual being impersonated. Basically, anything that the IRS would disclose to you could be disclosed to someone impersonating you.
1: So to recap this issue, criminal steals your personal information from some company's database, data breach number one, impersonates you on your tax return, tricking the IRS, tax refund fraud, then continues to impersonate you to glean more of your personal information from the IRS, data breach number two. And this is an issue that only made headlines a few years ago. It's still a problem that the IRS faces today.
0: Which brings us to today's bill, H.R. 5445, the 21st Century IRS Act a bill that would attempt to improve cybersecurity at the IRS. And in conjunction
1: with the bill from Part 1, H.R. 5444, this would be the first time in 20 years that a piece of legislation would majorly reform the IRS.
0: H.R. 5445, the 21st Century IRS Act, was introduced on April 10, 2018 by Representative Mike Bishop, a Republican from Michigan's 8th District.
1: Like H.R. 5444 from Part 1, this bill also has passed the House of Representatives, this time with a vote of 414-3, to 3, and it's moving on to the
0: Senate, so bipartisan support once again. This bill is separated into four somewhat excruciatingly long titles— Uh, or sections, whatever you want to call it. And here are the summaries. All right. According to the Republican Policy Committee,
1: link is in the description below, Title I requires the Secretary of the Treasury to work collaboratively with the public and private sectors to protect taxpayers from identity theft refund fraud. In addition, the title requires the Electronic Tax Administration Advisory Committee, also known as ETAC, to study and make recommendations To the secretary regarding models to prevent identity theft and refund fraud and authorizes the secretary to participate in an information sharing and analysis center, also known as an ISAC, not trademarked by Apple, uh, to centralize and enhance data compilation and analysis to facilitate sharing actionable data and information with respect to identity theft and refund fraud. The title requires that state, local, and federal agencies to conduct on-site review every three years of its contractors and agents receiving federal returns and return information. Finally, the title requires that the Secretary, in coordination with the Bureau of Fiscal Service and the IRS, to issue a report describing how many new payment platforms can be utilized to increase
0: the number of tax refunds paid by electronic fund transfers. Title II requires the IRS to appoint a Chief Information Officer for the development, implementation, and maintenance of information technology for the IRS, developing and maintaining a multi-year plan for information technology needs at the IRS, and requires the Chief Procurement Officer and the CIO to consult on all significant technology acquisitions in excess of $1 million. Further, Title II requires the Secretary to develop secure, individualized online accounts to provide services to taxpayers and their designated return preparers, and develop a process for accepting tax forms and other supporting documentation in electronic format by December 31, 2023. Finally, the title requires the Secretary to make an internet website, available by January 1, 2023, that allows for the preparation, filing, and distribution of Forms 1099 and maintains records of completed and submitted Forms 1099.
1: Title three is the Modernization of Income Verification. The Income Verification Express Services requires that transcript information requests be submitted to the IRS by fax, and then those transcripts are furnished electronically to a secure mailbox. Title III requires that the Secretary to implement a qualified disclosure program that is fully automated, accomplished through the Internet, and through which disclosures are accomplish in as close to a real time as practicable. The title also provides that person designated by the taxpayer to receive return information shall not use the information for any other purpose other than the express purpose for which consent was granted, and shall not disclose return information to any other person without the express permission
0: of or request by
1: the taxpayer."
0: Title IV relaxes the current restrictions on the authority of the Secretary to mandate electronic filing based on the number of returns required to be filed by a taxpayer in a given taxable period. First, it phases in a reduction in the threshold requirement that taxpayers have an obligation to file a specified number of returns and statements during a calendar year. Second, it authorizes the Secretary to waive the requirement that a federal income tax return prepared by a specified tax return preparer be filed electronically if a tax return preparer applies for a waiver and demonstrates that the inability to file electronically is due to lack of internet availability. The title also requires the secretary to publish guidance to establish uniform standards and procedures for the acceptance of taxpayer signatures appearing in electronic form with respect to such requests or power of attorney and removes the prohibition on paying any fees or providing any other consideration in connection with the use of credit, debit, or charge cards for the payment of income taxes. Holy bejesus. And that's the summary. Gosh, this is what happens when, well, it's fine. Lawyers making laws for lawyers.
1: I know they have to make it as- They, they do.
0: Yeah. I'm, it's your job to protect people against the law, so there should be people who are, know the law that are they are making the law. I get it.
1: Anyways- we do this for
0: you, listener. On to the discussion. All right, so let me start with a couple points uh first on and this is and this is on the bill so first title 1 and title 2 have to be done first and hopefully they will be uh and i think that that should be pretty well maybe it's not totally clear but basically those have to do with the cybersecurity um aspects of things like what uh, uh getting more information about the cybersecurity threats and then updating the hardware software plans of action in course of identifying and
1: responding to tax refund fraud. Uh, Wow, that is also a tongue twister.
0: Well, even that, it precedes that. So what I mean specifically is updating the hardware and the software, basically your information technology and then whatever software uh, systems you're using. Um, And then also making sure that you have all of the necessary information. So those have to come first. That, That comes before um, hey, are we taking the necessary actions to uh, 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 to stop the the cybersecurity issues that comes before, especially comes before Title three and four, and I believe part of Title II sort of mentioned this when we talked about online filing and making it easier to do elect, basically electronic filing and more paperwork or more forms being uh, 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 submitted and exchanged electronically, which is Basically, how this problem comes about in the first place, uh, because someone can someone can impersonate you online, right? So the more we do that, we're just asking for that to happen. So in my mind, Title One and believe the first seventy five percent of Title II basically have to be taken care of first. Um, and and point two, I'm sorry, at point two, uh, this just tells the IRS to, and I'm talking again, I'm referring to the bill. This just tells the IRS to solve a known and serious problem. It does not include any kind of solution for the cybersecurity issues. Of course, I don't really expect one on a piece of legislation like this, but this is a perfect example of playing politics, where Congress gets to look like they're handling this issue without actually doing anything about it. It's no wonder this received bipartisan support, in my opinion. It's an easy win to parade around your campaign. And, and I might be a little cynical in saying that, right? I get it. But it's just, I, 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 I'm I, reading through that bill and seeing title, especially title one, which is basically like, you guys need to, this is a big deal and you guys need to do something about it. Can, can you With, figure this out, please? It's just like, of course it's a big deal. It's identity theft. Like, people are upset about it. Yes, it's a big deal. But they have, I watched the Senate hearing from 2015 and 2016, and were there things that could have been done differently? Could things have been, uh, could certain issues have been prevented? or certain uh, um, things have been prevented. Sure, I get it, I understand. I'm not like trying to condone or take blame away from certain individuals or entities, but um, this isn't a solution. This is just telling, this is like, this is what it feels like when you have a manager just like, hey, you should should fix that, and then they take credit for it. You made this? Yeah.
1: Person comes back. It's mine
0: now. I made this. Push him in the sandbox. (laughs) (laughs) Push him face first in the
1: sandbox, but you know once we find you know the truth, the problems of identity theft, we can fight back with the clo
0: the clenched fist of truth. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> referencing referencing the NRA video. Yeah, uh... I love it. <coughs> it's all right. I get it. Go ahead and cough. It's good. This I know. This is a lot to swallow. <laughs> Platonically.
1: That was brought to you by non-name branded throat lozenges.
0: They're made by us. (laughs) It's a proprietary formula. Um, You can buy them online because the FDA doesn't regulate that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's also a supplement. It's going to make your penis bigger. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. All right. Um, No. uh, No, I won't do that. We don't promise that, nor do we endorse that. It's not really an issue. Yeah, big Uh, penises aren't real. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> go ahead back to irs reform it is nice to see reform on this uh in title one in particular this is one i actually looked into a lot mainly because i just reread that section because it was the shortest a bunch of fucking. <laughs>
0: mainly guys. because i read it 45 minutes before this episode started uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we're being honest yeah oh well, I, I also spent like four
1: hours reading through the bill on friday yes yes uh, um, no, i
0: We both have done our research.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, With this, a lot of it, there's public forums that are going to be made for trying to get best practices from both the public and private sector. There is a section within the bill that stipulates there's going to be performance metrics on how well the IRS and ISAC are able to identify and respond to identity theft. And depending on those metrics, they will adjust their course of action from there. So that's like one of the little bits of specifics within the bill itself that we didn't necessarily go over or at least wasn't in the description left by the policy uh, or policy.house.gov link that we have listed below.
0: Um. Yes. Sorry, I don't really have much else to add to that well, one. Yeah, no,
1: that like that's one thing I wanted to bring up as a very specific thing because that does need to happen first. And then how are you going to maintain that? Ultimately, at the end of the day, right, moving away from paper everything for millions, hundreds of millions of Americans towards electronic filing. Electronic filing didn't really start becoming a thing till the till the late '90s.
0: Well, so actually, actually, no, I don't think so. Or
1: sorry, it was '90s. It did have limited. It was,
0: bef- it was before the '98 reform.
1: Oh, electronic filing was allowed in limited instances during the
0: Reagan years. Yes, mm-hmm. that's when it first came about, and then they expanded it. Which I mean, it lo and behold, right? It's no yeah. wonder that they're running on older hardware and older software, uh, at least for as far as I mean. I'm not going to pretend like I I fully know and would understand the entire IT architecture of the IRS of whatever the IRS has going on uh, for their for their system, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine if they had it working in the late '80s, early '90s for um, what was at the time in the late '80s, uh, uh, rare cases of electronic filing, and then before the '98 restructuring, we actually you actually saw a, a, a primitive form of electronic filing, and now you can file electronically through a third party uh, very very easily. I know you can do it; you can do it directly through the IRS, also, but it's very very easily through a third party. But through um. Uh...
1: TurboTax. Yeah, or like H&R Block or something yeah, like that. Well, TurboTax, I got my taxes done in less than an hour. And that included, mm-hmm. you know, not just my W2s from a couple different jobs I had over that tax year, but also investments I had as well.
0: An entire industry built off of the fact that we we have to do our taxes in a certain way. I mean, imagine if they made imagine if they made filing your taxes easier. It would almost be like there would be no need for any of those big companies.
1: Well, um, we also have an agency which still has all of their information recorded on magnetic tape.
0: Which, which I mean, to be. There, there are pros and cons of that, yes. Yeah, right, I was gonna say, to be fair, right, we can look at the IRS and say the same thing. Um, well, I meant that in regards to the IRS in particular. If you have mainframes that you can essentially uh, communicate with through assembly, right, that's almost like a defense mechanism in and of itself. Uh now uh, uh, it's like having
1: a coded language and ju- that's just sumerian. There's going to be like one dude.
0: Right, exactly. you will be like
1: I know what you're saying. Please stop. You're an asshole. Right, 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 right. But everyone else is just like so you're a little weird. You, you, su-
0: you s- significantly limit the threat when you significantly limit the pool of people who can even work with the technology that you have. And that's because it's it's uh, outdated, right? Air quotes. Um, I mean, it is, it's, it technically is, but it still works. Yeah. Um, and there's still, there, there's a lot of stuff that runs it. There's a lot of, um, I believe there's still a lot of stuff running. I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a, a a credible source on that one, but I believe there's still quite a few companies that use mainframes like that. But anyways, um, so yeah, I mean like there's, there's, there is a benefit to that, right? I mean the con is that maybe there's an easier way to do a lot of different things that would integrate well or, work well operationally or procedurally speaking with newer technologies, right? You want to get up to date so that you can work and integrate with newer uh, let's say platforms or newer software. I mean, web development has come is leaps and bounds ahead of what it was just even a decade ago, uh, let alone 2 decades ago. Uh, so you you look at that and you think, "Well, hey, I want to I want to get more modern stuff out there so that I can integrate with that and now our systems can become more efficient because I can more easily integrate with things across the web, but downside to that is well yeah now you're doing what everybody else does so you better hope your your security is ironclad right uh so i, I think there is a benefit magnetic tape there's a benefit to that and well, that's like who the <laughs> knows how that works that's still alive on this planet it's a very limited number of people <laughs> insane clown posse is getting really close to the magic of uh magnets so oh, oh my god all right uh <laughs> But so, the, but I'm I'm glad that you brought that up, right? Because there was something else I wanted to mention. Um, title one in this, I believe it's title one, uh, right? Title one da, da, da. with
1: ISAC the inter, the consolidation of information and sharing, because um, that's one of the things I did want to bring up on that.
0: Oh, 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 no, sorry, it's um, uh, it's title two development of information technology. That's what I'm looking at. And then Title One cybersecurity and identity protection. So it's it's technically both of them, but it, it yeah. So it has to do with both of them. Um, as I was going through, in reading articles, doing research, and then um, it kind of clicked when I watched vi- or when I watched this YouTube video clip, which I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put in the audio right here.
2: I guess my question is on the IP numbers. Georgia is one of the states, there are three, District of Columbia, Georgia, and I've forgotten the name of the other state, where? Florida. Florida. Where IRS gave taxpayers the option to apply for an IP number, which is a self-identifying number for a tax return. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. And now, are there are a million and a half of those IP numbers now issued? Is that right? <coughs> there are a million and a half, <coughs> excuse me, a million and a half are issued to those who have been victims of identity theft. Uh, We've had the pilot program and we've had a few thousand. We're trying to get more people. We're running it as a pilot to see what the cost would be and the burden would be. Uh, We've had a relatively modest take up uh, on that, but we're encouraging taxpayers to uh, take advantage of it. Have you found it to be a foolproof system yet, or is that why you're doing a test? Uh, We're doing the test primarily to see what the burden on taxpayers is and what the cost to the IRS is. Uh, It is foolproof to the extent that you don't lose it. Uh, What happens with Social Security numbers is they're, you know, out in the world, Uh, they're used for children's identifications in schools, they're used for everybody's Medicare card is a a Social Security number. Uh, The IP pin has no other use. So our uh, experience thus far is if we can authenticate to make sure that the taxpayer who gets the IP pin is the legitimate taxpayer, uh, if they keep it secure, there is no way anybody gets access to that number and their returns, therefore, are safe.
0: Okay, so that was that was John Koskinen again, um, and that was during the Senate hearing. Um, it should be the same Senate hearing from twenty fifteen. Uh, so, when I was listening to this, uh, and he was describing the issue of trying to create a personal identification number or token, right, um, for an individual user, uh, and then kind of briefly describing some of the difficulties that might come about with doing so. Uh, like what if somebody loses it, right? which you could imagine many people probably would uh, what do you do with that? Um, can it be duplicated right? which it, uh, by the way with the the way the internet works now, yes, it can. so it's that's how someone can like you know access the database and then like copy your stuff like that's how that happens. so you you it could be duplicated so someone could steal it technically um, or, or, you know it, I would say they could figure it out, but you, it would be possible technically, I guess, anything around now that somebody could figure out what your, what your personal identification token would be. But in this case, we're specifically talking about duplicating it and stealing it. Anyways, when he was talking about this, uh, along with all the research I did, it clicked. I, I started thinking, wait, this seems like a perfect application for blockchain. I mean, there was the whole, I believe it was called name token that was around for a little bit. Uh, it still, It still might be around. Um, but I, I think it's it's dropped in popularity. But the, the concept of it was I don't know how familiar you are with cryptocurrency and and block and blockchain. Well, other protocols beside besides uh, uh the Bitcoin protocol and
1: like if, like the Ethereum network and things like that. Yeah, I, I'm about as knowledge.
0: I think Ethereum has its own protocol. I think I'm as familiar as the average bear on the topic.
2: Hmm.
0: Okay, sorry, I took a sip there. So um, uh, basically. For anybody who doesn't know I'll, a, a brief description and I am not by any means <laughs> i'm I am not a computer scientist but um I just avidly read about this stuff uh, for years so um I know quite a bit about what's going on with it and I can at least do like some kind of a abstracted you, you could at least explanation i guess you could
1: at least put the summary right of the 101 course and type that up. Right <laughs> and not sound like an asshole.
0: I get maybe a one oh one, maybe an 001. Uh, but um, so anyway, what you essentially get with something like uh, with something like a a, a a blockchain or whatever is you have a decentralized distri- a decentralized network and a distributed ledger, and there's two key components to this. So one is that the network a uh, 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 is not just housed in a bunch of servers in one place. It's a bunch of different individuals or entities that actually create this network. Think the internet, it's basically the same thing. And then they all have and store a ledger containing all transactions that occur on this network, right? And a transaction would be like, um, I'm going to buy a thing. So a transaction would be like, I'm going to buy a thing. And when you buy that thing, it it creates a little, basically it's a block on this ledger. And that block says, you bought that thing for that much money and that person, X person got the money and you got the thing. Right? Let's just say like that's what it is. Cool. That happens. Everybody on the network now sees that transaction, stores it on their computer, their device, whatever. Um, and then the network keeps itself active through consensus. And what that means is that if anybody tries to change this ledger, someone wants to come in and say, hey, no, you actually, you uh, because if you bought that thing for $5, let's say now your bank account has, it had $20 in it, now it has $15. And I come in and I say, hey, actually, you had $0. Because you bought, you have $0 because you bought that thing for 20 Well, when you do that, you can absolutely figure that out and do it. But when you do that, the blockchain checks with the rest of the network and says, hey, this block now says it was so-and-so spent $20 on it instead of $5. Is that true? And it looks for the consensus of the network. Consensus of the network says no, and it doesn't accept the change. The only way for somebody to override that is if they uh, somehow was able to hack or gain control of 51% of the network or over 50% of the network, sorry. Anyways, where I'm getting with this. Name token or name coin. Yeah, name coin. Uh, uh, each one of these uh, um uh, we you you could think of it like when you create a block or when you interact with the blockchain, you do it through a cryptographically a uh, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying I'm <coughs> trying to trying to get a way to to phrase this, but basically it is, it is a, a hash, it is a long series of, of alphanumeric characters that is essentially unique to you, right? And it's very unique, as in you don't want to lose it. <laughs> you don't want to lose it because it's it's you. It's, and, it's, and it's way more, I would say, way more secure than like a social security number or something like that. Um, but essentially, with something like Namecoin, you would have this hash long series of alphanumeric characters that could, in theory, replace your social security number. In fact, it could replace anything. It could be just an identification of you, right? So you, James, or me, Michael. And when I go onto a website, instead of having to enter in a password for every website I go to, I actually just enter in my hash, my personal identification, long thing of alphanumeric characters, and it's incredibly difficult for somebody to get that from me. Incredibly difficult, actually, because, I mean, you could have like a hardware wallet so you can, you can actually store it on like a thumb drive or whatever and just plug it in when you want to access stuff. It's very difficult for somebody to get that from you. Um, but anyway, so you could do that and access any website you want to. Hell, you could do that. And then you could actually get this. Wait for it. Drum roll. Future Michael put in drum roll. I might not have that audio clip. It's fine. You could file your taxes with this. Because you would essentially put in this USB drive, the website would recognize uh, 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 the hash, or uh, we won't say hash, because I might be using that term wrong, the personal identification series of alphanumeric characters that is you. Uh, And that's what it would use to basically give you access and create a transaction on the blockchain to say such and such series of alphanumeric characters has access the website and is now doing its thing. And it is so, 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 so much more difficult to get that from some, to steal that uh, than it is to steal someone's social security number. Especially because if the IRS was doing this, they could have a decentralized network amongst the um, uh, all state tax collections, local slash county tax collections, which I'm not 100% sure if those even exist, but let's just- Or counties
1: do have tax collection...
0: They do have tax so, collectors. Yeah, they do. Okay. Yeah, yeah all right. So I just say county. So they can essentially create a decentralized network with county, state, and federal uh, tax collections, all all of whom creating a network. Anyone who wanted to um, hack or really just change the, the ledger, the transaction history of this uh, uh, decentralized network, this distributed ledger, would need to basically they would need to uh, have enough computer power to override over 50 percent of this network which would be created by a bunch of databases that uh, between all state tax collections the federal every state irs every and county lo- yeah county right so that i would imagine that would be very difficult to do and actually in this audio clip right um uh, Koskinen actually seems to reference something like that. I don't think he was talking about cybersecurity necessarily, or sorry, uh, not cybersecurity. I don't think he was talking about like distributed ledgers, blockchain, or cryptocurrency necessarily. But that was the thing that came to mind. Um, and you know, I'm 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 very much ranting at this point. But uh, this was just this was an exciting idea to me, so much so that I started to pull up web pages on uh, federal grants and how they were specifically looking to give money for um uh, uh cybersecurity and what kind of projects they were looking for. Oh, uh
1: just to put this in reference, there are 3007 counties in the entire United States. Um and well, if we add in places like the District of Columbia and some of our territories, uh that brings it up to 3142.
0: I mean bit, bit... At, at, at the minimum. Right, right. Uh, Bitcoin was sort of created kind of in a way to to be the to be a currency. i mean I, I don't think it would ever really i don't think we would see it get to this point personally i although i do believe in 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 cryptocurrencies in general and the technology behind it i don't think we'll get to a point where bitcoin is used as a as, as the same as cash um we, we might but uh it, the original inception was that you know that gets around governments right so you don't have a fed and a federal government for a country controlling the money supply and controlling how people can do trade now you just have an internet and then a way to send a currency across it right so you can do tra- you can trade with anybody which is a- an incredible idea meant to get away again meant to get away from governments i mean in a lot of cases when it comes to stuff like this when it- especially when it comes to cybersecurity it seems like a really good solution Not Bitcoin specifically, obviously, that wouldn't make any sense. But just the fundamental of blockchain and how that could be used. Right, exactly. Exactly. Especially because um, in some cases, right, if you were to go the uh, Ethereum route um, with smart contracts, uh, you may not need as much oversight for a system that in some cases, I'm going to say in some, because obviously it does not run itself, but in some cases could run itself, whereas right now you might need oversight. Uh, but anyways, um, I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert on this stuff. Um, if anybody out there is interested in cryptocurrency or blockchain, which probably the most interesting thing is um, distributed ledgers, blockchain, decentralized networks. They, it's there's. I think people try to. I think people uh, because of the hype that it gets, it's like you know, cryptocurrency is the future and everything. I think it is, but I just think it gets applied to way too many things. Like I saw the ICO craze, the ICO craze that happened. And you just see like all these coins like go skyrocketing in value that really probably aren't going to go anywhere. Dogecoin. Yeah. Do- Dude, the creator of Dogecoin was like in an interview saying, I do not understand how my, <laughs> this was literally a joke. It's not supposed to, I'm scared that it's worth money. Uh, but anyways, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it I think it's it's still got a ways to go, but um the underlying technology as a whole can still be very useful. Very useful. Uh and I think this is a, a a perfect example of it. Um if you I like just for a second, if you could imagine an internet where you get on your browser and instead of typing in a password for a given website, you have a USB drive and you just plug it into your machine and within five seconds the website, whatever it is, or, or a piece of software, or a game, or whatever, it recognizes who you are, and then you take out your your USB drive, and you're good. Or, and that's all you ever did.
1: Or an NFC
0: chip plug somewhere in your body. Right, and it, it, it's well, hold on, plug some. Oh my god, that's that. You you turn that into creepy. <laughs> well, when, <laughs> so oh, no, it, USB drive, and now you got like a chip embedded in you. What the hell? Oh, well, you do it for pets,
1: right? But the thing is, there's a- been actual applications of in the private sector of people putting a chip with NFC capabilities for say in a company so that way they could access secure locations do transactions at vending machines.
0: Well yeah,
1: so like the yeah. the infrastructure's there. It, that's also just kind of super creepy and big brother at the same time.
0: Yeah, no, so the I guess I guess I meant like um because really like right now you could you could store your password and a, and like a, a simple program to automatically enter your password onto a website or for, to check for what the website URL is and then enter the appropriate password um, but that's not that's not the thing that would be amazing about about a distributed ledger or, or, or blockchain like the the reason why it's so secure is because when you go to a website like amazon.com and you enter your password Amazon stores your password on their servers, their databases. Let's go back to the Equifax breach. Equifax stores your information on their servers. If you signed up for Experian services, if you signed up for Discover Bank to open a bank account and Chase Bank to open a bank account or a credit card or whatever, all these different places that you go to, they all have a copy of your social security number. Of your personal, uniquely identifiable information, all of them. If any one of them gets uh, uh, hacked, if any one of them has their database and their, their 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 system breached, that information is leaked. It's it's done. That's it. Because it's stored in so many different places, and we use so many different services, we basically just start to dramatically increase the rate at w- or, or, or the probability that this information, which is um, very much necessary to our survival in this 21st century and well you know not well, having identity theft or whatever it's very necessary we need it and so what you get that's different and i'm sorry yeah. what you what you get that's differently with with a distributed ledger is because let's say when it comes to the irs it's not the IRS at the federal government that has their own database that stores your social security number, all your personal information. And then when you go to, let's say, Florida's tax collection office, they have their own database. They store your information. It's a duplicate. It's all the same. They all have the same network and they share one distributed database that you make, that you enter entries onto, which is part of the reason why it can be so secure because they have to have consensus. But because they share it, right? And it's not duplicated amongst all of them, right? They all share one copy of it. You can have a USB drive that has a unique identification number that can access any of those things. And if somebody tries to impersonate you, they, well, I mean, I I, I don't want to say they can't because I can't it's, predict the future, well, but it's it less, is less less incredibly probable. more difficult. Yeah. Well, to break down
1: how you went about it and the way we have things now it's all your information stored in different servers it's like having a bunch of different houses with varying qualities of locks that holds all your personal shit but then if we go towards a blockchain it is one house spread across a wider area mind you because it's a, a wider decentralized network but you're the only one with a key for your stuff and through that key alone are you allowed to share it with others?
0: I, I think I think probably the I'm not bashing on your analogy, but I think probably the best way to think of it. If I had to is, explain it
1: to a five year old, that's how I would say it.
0: If i w- if I was to explain it to a five year old, I would explain it via genetics. In that, um, hey, uh are you a clone of me? Could I clone myself right now? I mean, okay, yes, there's a scientific technology out there. Like the Science says, yes, you can clone a human, right? But are humans born through cloning? Not yet. No. So right now you actually have a way to create a unique individual. Even if you have um, genetically, well, even if you have identical twins, right, you could technically have variations between the two in their genetic code uh, via mutations, let's say that happen throughout their life, or let's say one of them gets a disease or gets sick, and it changes um, something in their genetic code. Uh, well, not necessarily in the genetic code, but turns off certain proteins and turns on others, or something like that, right? Um, but you could have a, a, a like because you could have identical twins that grow up in two separate environments and have two different personalities, and maybe they might have had the same personality if they were to, if they were Uh, we're together because that's all like epigenetics and all that stuff. But anyway, so how the genotype manifests can change because of how you can manipulate it. But point is, is that you can create unique individuals, right? So uh, uh, technically right now, like I could go on the internet and um, I could just repeatedly download duplicates of a song. When you're downloading something, you're essentially creating a duplicate of it. So on this kind of internet, you couldn't do that. You could not do that. Yeah, blockchain is digital scarcity. Right, exactly. That's kind of, yeah, That's the it, it was developed with currency in mind, and that's sort of the essence of currency and, and monies is that it is scarce. It is a scarce resource. That's why it has value. But to wrap everything up. Yeah, because this was, just became a rant about cryptocurrency, and I wasn't planning on that at all, but so sorry
1: these bills H.R. 5444 and H.R. 5445 both of them are currently in Senate right now contact your senators if you feel about it one way or another Um, I think it is a good move forward I haven't seen anything that seems kind of
0: dubious in what we've read or researched so far except for the part where they're like (laughs) title one hey you guys should like you guys should like fix this Thanks, Congress. Thanks. Do you, have any bills go- do you know how many bills we read, we go through here, and we go on to Congress.gov, and the bill's just like, hey, like that bureau should like do some stuff. And then it just unanimously passes. Like Everybody's like, yeah, they should do some stuff. Mm-mm-mm-mm, sign my name. And then everybody gets to go around their campaign and be like, I was in favor of this bill that did this change, when really the only thing that they're saying is the title of the bill which they love to just like cram whatever they want into. I'm so cynical and I'm sorry. I looked at the audio feed and I am talking 75% of the time. Keep going.
1: Yeah. Uh. No, it's bills like this are kind of like a micromanaging boss that everyone's had at one point or another. Talk about you, Craig. Talk about you. Ooh, I don't know who Craig is. Actually never had a boss named Craig. Okay, good. Uh, Didn't want this to get weird. Actually, most, most of my bosses have been pretty chill people.
0: So, actually, most of my bosses have been named Greg. <laughs> 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 so, not none of them's going to know who I'm talking about. There's oh. at least six. Oh, she'll know. Oh, shit. What? I just want to throw
1: a curveball in there. All right, all right. Uh, but once again, you can catch us online at s y m w y p S-Y-M-W-Y-P.com. Find us on Twitter at at simwhip. You could find us wherever
0: most podcasts are found. And also... The dirt in your backyard. Yes. You can find them there. We're organic there. Really, go outside, take off your headphones, and that's the real podcast, isn't it?